glasses instead of my lens. Okay, we're with it today. We're good. How many of you have ever noticed some warning signs about anything, really? Um, we've had uh, warning signs that the uh, that a vehicle was about to cause us major problems. Uh, we've had warning signs that an appliance might cause you some problems. Some people might have that personal uh, uh, testimony of that this week. <laughs> and that sign would be that you get a new washer and dryer, right, David and Kathy? So um, the signs that we see, sometimes we can see on time. Sometimes we might consider them seeing a little bit late. Um, and, I, and I think about all the different things that um, are signs of things to come and what God's going to do. I'm encouraged today to see, you know, people back serving when they've had other things going on in their lives that they needed to get taken care of. They're back up here on stage serving this morning. Two people that we hadn't seen do that in a while, and, and we are thankful to see how God is at work in all of those things. We have different seasons, and there's different warnings along the way that those things will happen, and it doesn't make them necessarily any easier to embrace, any easier to go through, or, or, uh, or face those problems, but God warns us along the way. And you'll see a picture here. Uh, last Sunday morning, we kind of went through this parallel passage in, in Matthew in Sunday school, and one of the guys in my Sunday school class goes, why is Jesus always talking about fig trees? What's the deal with fig trees? So I kind of explained to him what the deal was with fig trees. We're going to get there today. But he uses that illustration quite a bit in our lives and in our in, in our story today, he, he uses that picture as a sign of things that are to come. And if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been going through Matthew chapter 13, and I can tell you that some of the signs that I see here not so much have um, the, uh, the picture of, of fear of the completion. I have a really confident faith that God's got this all figured out, okay? But the signs that we see in chapter 13 cause a lot of people to shake in their boots. And, and I'm going to try to share with you today, I think that's circumstantial. Because if you know Christ, these warning signs can be there, but we have nothing to fear. Because He is bringing the completion of His work of salvation. And so uh, we're, we're coming to the end today, and I, I can tell you that the, the signs I had along the way, it took me two and a half years to get back into the Gospel of Mark, frankly, because of chapter 13. I was kind of shaking in my boots when it came to it, and um, I can tell you that in about 30 minutes, I'm going to be really glad we're through Mark chapter 13. And there may be more than one sermon's worth here. I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we'll try to knock out all of this um, in, in today as we see Jesus talked to us about signs and the reason for the, those signs and for whom those signs exist. Because I think there's different signs for different people and different, uh, different measures of our faith. So uh, let's look at Mark chapter 13, and we will look at the last 14 verses today. And I want to read all the way through them because I think that brings us a, a good picture of where we're going here. So I want to invite you to stand as we read verses 24 through 37, Mark chapter 13. But in those days, 
after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become, its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of this house of the house will come, in the evening, or at the midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Lord, lay, let us not be as, as Peter was found at the watch, sleeping. Help us to be ready for you. In Jesus' name. I'm excited this morning that we have a guest preacher to, with us. Bill, would you come up and explain this for us? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Not to you, anyway. Um, so anyway, we uh, well, I mean, if you really want to, I'll, I'll let you roll. But no, uh, I'll 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 keep going. I ha- I have studied, so maybe it'll do us some good. I don't know. Um, so again, we we talked about this the last two weeks. Really, what ha- matters here is not what our view of what we would call the millennium is, because again, as many as minds and as many eyes as there are in the room, there will be opinions. And I mean that because most of us have two eyes, and sometimes you look at it and go, oh, what is this and what is that? What is this and what's that? Try to button this up for us a little bit. Um, I've told you that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I've I've listened to to different preachers uh, go through this passage. It's a pretty crazy uh, thing to try to interpret what's going on here, because people think they can predict what the future is going to be. And the fact is, is that that's what Jesus was telling us here. That's what's going to happen. Um, but one of the things that my, one of my favorites, Alistair Begg, said was that uh, it, it's the opposite of our rearview mirror view. When you look at the right-hand mirror in your car, it says objects in your rearview mirror may appear closer than they are, or, or closer than they appear. Yeah, that's what it actually says, right? Um, it's, it's kind of that, that we see all of these things put together, but they're not necessarily going to happen all at the timing we would put them at, okay? Now, 
I've tried to help out with what I think that timing says along the way, and there's some different things I've read and studied and prayed through and tried to understand what's going on here. But remember, the ultimate thing we remember about our faith as a whole, and keeping the main things as the plain things, is Jesus paid the price for our sin. He rose again. He ascended. He empowered the church with the mission to go and make disciples of all nations, and he's going to return for those disciples. And we need to be ready. Those are the main and the plain things that we need to keep our eyes set on here. Now, I really think that a lot of the warnings here along the way are for those who have yet to place their faith in Christ. Not 100%. I think there's, there's things along the way that warn us all of the thing. But the, the, the thing we need to be ready for is his return. And the center point of this whole passage, I think, is found in that story of the fig tree. That's why they, I entitled it one of the phrases out of, this, uh, out of this passage, summer is near. And I think that's a, an interesting place to be right now. And, and really, this is the, I mean, I've lived here for almost 12 years now, and so this is, this is as home as any other place has been for me, frankly. Um, but one of the things I enjoy about Colorado is that we get four seasons, even if one of them may be three days. We usually get formed. Sometimes fall goes for months, and sometimes all the leaves just fall off the tree, right? But we see that our seasons are signs towards the next one, okay? As we sit in spring right now, you can see the trees in leaf. You can see blooms and blossoms for those, those trees, and you can have that hope of shade once all those leaves come out. And, and you see that the heat of the summer will have some relief because of the shade of the trees. And then when those days are spent, you come to the fall, and the temperatures cool off, and the leaves fall from the trees. And then we get to winter where it's really cold. And I'm really glad we're coming out of it now because, honestly, I get tired of shoveling snow. And, and we get to that place, not that Bill, Bill now has been here twice when I talk about shoveling snow, but that's not really what my point is. I mean, you see that there's always the next stage coming. And there's always something, I think, that we can enjoy about the current phase, but that we're ready for the next phase. You, you understand where I'm coming from here? I mean, I know a lot of people like sweater weather. They like to wear those big bulky things because you feel nice and warm and cozy. But when you get into the middle of July, you're not going to see people who are in good health wearing those things because you're going to be sweating a lot. There's a time and a place for things. Here, we find that he starts talking about this tribulation thing. Now, one of the dangers and one of the challenges that we'll come to is that we tend to take a verse by itself and say, oh, that's the tribulation. But one of the, I want to point here is, is that there, there's, a, there's a qualifier in verse 24. It says, after that tribulation. That word matters, that. Because this life is a whole lot of trouble. I mean, that's what tribulation means. It's seasons of trouble. And so when we see this pop up in verse 24, he's actually referring back to verse 19. If you look in your Bibles, it says, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created now and will never be. In that context, he's actually speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the fall of the temple. And so we see almost an immediate fulfillment in the realm of history. I mean, 
when you talk about 40 years after the time of Jesus to the fall of the temple in Jerusalem by the, at the hands of the Romans, compared to 2,000 since then, 40 years doesn't seem like that long of a time. Now, going through it was probably pretty miserable for those people. As a matter of fact, that's the way it was described in our preceding verses. But we find here that he says, after that tribulation, we're going to see everything fall apart. The sun will stop shining, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now, it's been 2,000 years since that fall of Jerusalem, and the sun is still shining, and the moon is still giving its light, and we have not seen a cosmic failure. But I want to tell you, one of the big flaws of our life and our view, uh, our common world view today is that we tend to think that this universe was designed to last forever. It's not. There will be a day of fulfillment, and that's really what we're talking about here, is that day of his return. When will that be? Well, it's been stretched out a bit right now. We're still waiting on that fulfillment. But here's what it's going to look like. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Basically, that, that phrase, the ends of earth to ends of heaven, the, the terminology in, in Greek was from this point of heaven to this point of earth, from one point to the other. And it's basically going to encompass everything that we know as the created universe. And as we have technology that gets into space, I'm not a flat earther, guys. I think it's round, okay? When, when you get there, I believe it's round. I mean, it's, all the evidence, I mean, if you keep going west, you're going to keep going west. You're going to go in a circle, okay? But we can see with, the, um, with things like the Hubble telescope in space, they just see further and further and further. And they're saying it's still being formed. Well, here, here's my thing is that I don't think, I think God has, has set it in his place. He's made it happen. We're just discovering how big it really is. I've got a big view of God. And if, if, we, if, if our God couldn't create all of that, then who is our God? Because he is the one who has put all these things together. But just like he created all of these things, there will be a day of completion, a day of fulfillment. And he's going to call back those who have come to faith in him, who've trusted in him. How's he going to do it? This guy, Jesus, who's saying these very words, is the linchpin of it all. He is the, the, the agent of creation and also its fulfillment. We are here with a purpose, and we're here to glorify the Lord. And he gives us that opportunity through his death, burial, and resurrection and having the opportunity for our lives and place our trust in him. That's where this call comes to, is that day of fulfillment and that day of completion. Do we really know what it's going to look like? I think we do in verse 26. That day of, that the Son of Man will come in the clouds. That Son of Man is Jesus. That's a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. That's what we see as a messianic name. And it's also what Jesus calls himself throughout the Gospels. He's talking about himself here. And this day of fulfillment is coming. He sends out the angels and he will gather them from the four winds from every direction. Now, when do we know it's going to happen? 
this is where it, it gets a little bit crazy, but I think if we, if we examine it and break it down a little bit, it can be, uh, it can be un, uh, clear understanding. And back to the fig trees, like I said. Verse 28. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, ponder that, right? This year, it seems like it's taken a while. It's, you know, I've still got trees that are thinking about it. But we also have some other trees in town that have already got their blossoms and dropping their blossoms and getting their leaves. It just kind of depends. But he draws this picture of the fig leaf. When, when the tree starts to bloom, starts to, to sprout its leaves, we know that the season is about to change. So now we are called to look to the Lord to know when that season of eternity is about to happen. All right, so also in verse 20 and 9, it says, When you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, a lot of people interpret this that he meant this for this generation that would hear the word that wrote it down for us. But really, the context speaks more towards that this fulfillment of history will all happen within one generation. That it's not going to take a long time once it starts. And how long do we think a generation is? Well, in our culture, we've started calling them about 20 years. But biblically, as you look throughout it, it's about 40 years. How will that all work itself out? I'm not Jesus but I know what's going to happen. Because he told us in those previous verses, he's coming. This is what it's going to look like. And once it starts, it's not going to stop. We need to be on the watch, ready for those things to happen. And the fact is, is that we might think that this sign is that, and that sign is this, and and all these things are working out to this place. But the fact is, is that we didn't write this down. God is the author of eternity. And it's his plan that we come back to. He says this is the way it's going to work out, and it's going to happen quickly when it happens. Whether it's pre, post, ah, uh, mid, um, you know, standing on your leg. I don't know. I mean, you've got all these different interpretations from our human perspective. But when we come back to the perspective of the Scriptures, what we find is that God, to Him, as we come back to those phrases, a year is a thousand, day, uh, thousand days, no, a year is, is a thousand, is a day is a thousand years, that, I got really going well on that, didn't I? Come on, get together. But when we see a day is a thousand years, there you go, and with it, all right, um, did I tell you that about 11.55 I'll be through this passage? All right. Um, God, eternity is not something that we can put our minds around. It would give you a headache, I promise you. Some of you, it makes you dizzy when you start thinking no beginning and no end. But God has this plan in place, and He is good. And he, one of the things that we find in His goodness is that He gives the opportunity to us to respond in love by our volition. By our choice. This generation, once it it catches, once it gets rolling, it's all going to happen quickly. Now, we 
think we want to interpret these things, and I think that's how we, we come into this place is we say, what does this watch thing mean, to stay awake? It means that we don't understand it all. We need to keep our eyes on him to understand what he has in store for us. Just to, to affirm that, let's come to verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So some people will try to argue that that means that Jesus was not omniscient. He didn't know everything. Well, earthly Jesus says he doesn't. And I probably think it's safer that way for him at that moment. Right? Because then he can't say, you know, uh, April 26th, 2021. I'm picking tomorrow, by the way. This is when it's going to happen. Because then... Everybody's just going to be sitting there and staring, doing nothing. Here's the deal. The reason we don't know the day and the hour is that God has a plan for us to go and get people ready for it. I think if we sit there and wait on the mountaintop, which has happened in history many, many times, to the shame of those who sit there and wait, all you do is you make a fool out of yourself, and you're not effective. You lose all effectiveness for that, for that season that God has put you here to do his work. And that may make somebody mad at me that I just said that. You know what? I don't care. I think one of the biggest problems we have, and, and we, when we look at, and this is, this is going to go into, I'm, I'm going on a rant here, but when we go into Revelation and you look at the seven churches, I think the 21st century church particularly 21st century Baptists, we have two problems, Ephesus and Laodicea. Ephesus is the church that lost its first love. Laodicea is the lazy church. And if you lose your motivation, if you lose your passion, it leads to laziness. And so once, here's what happens is that people put their passion on getting their calendar right. Rather than doing what the Lord has commanded us to do, and that is to make disciples, to love one another, to proclaim his name. And, and I think that's happened throughout the church. I don't think it's just us, guys. I mean, this is a, I think too much in my own head kind of statement, I realize a lot of times. But I really see that in the churches I've gotten a chance to serve in. I've served in four different churches as, on, on staff as a ministry. We, we're, we're tired and so we just want Jesus to come back. And the fact is, that's, that's a fact. It's okay to be tired. You know what he tells us to do when we're tired? He didn't tell us to stop. He tells us to rest. That's one of the reasons he gives us the Sabbath, is that you take that time to be renewed before him. So if you're tired, it's okay to rest. Because we're just human. But we need to be ready all along the way. How does he describe it? But turning that day or hour, no one knows, verse 20, 32, and the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I think Jesus knows that now when that day is coming. He's in heaven. Why wouldn't he know it? But he's saying, on earth, I'm not telling you. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. 
picture of security, of safety. Therefore, stay awake, for you don't know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at the midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. We see this kind of picture actually even all the way back to the Exodus. Remember when we, we saw the Passover and the death of the firstborn of Egypt, that the, the children of Israel were commanded in that meal to be ready for that moment when you should go. We are waiting for those marching orders. It doesn't mean we're waiting passively. It means that we're ready. That means what he, that's what he means here by staying awake, that we're ready for that fulfillment. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Now, I think it's really interesting that this, this is the, the end of the Olivet Discourse here, the Mount of Olives where he speaks these things. We see that just on the next day, next couple of days, this very thing happens, right? We see his betrayal. We see him in the garden praying. And what does he tell his closest friends to do? To stay awake and pray. But guess what happened? He fell asleep. This picture of being ready is something that's an active thing. Yes, we rest in his presence and his fulfillment. But we need to be ready for what he is going to do. And the fact is, is if we still have breath in this body, he has something for us to do for him. To serve him. To proclaim the gospel for those around us. Don't know when that day or the hour of his return is coming. And I know if we look at, at, at verses 14 through 23, what we looked at last week, it's going to be kind of scary for some people. I don't know how all the timeline will totally work out until it's going to happen. But that's okay. Because Christ is king. He is Lord. We trust him. Because he is the one with that plan. So the fact is, we can, we can plan out our calendars and this and that. We can see all these different signs and we wonder if the summer is here. We should be ready for Christ's return. Absolutely. Summer is near. April 25th is a great day. Apparently, it's the perfect weather day. Right? All you need is a light jacket. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a movie quote, by the way. What's the perfect date? April 25th, because all you need is a light jacket. No, the day of the Lord's return is going to be the day of his fulfillment. When's that going to happen? When he says it does. When his sovereign reign on this heaven, this earth, is fulfilled. And it says then that this heaven and this earth will what? Will pass away. We're going to get all things new. We're not going to have to deal with the garbage we deal with in this world anymore because it's going to be all new. It won't be garbage anymore. It'll be a land redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Price has been paid. So I ask you now, the church, are you ready? Are we ready for the day of his return? And what is the instruction that we have been given from the scriptures? Stay awake. Doesn't mean you don't take you don't have a, a sleep schedule. <laughs> it's it's a figurative term here that we're ready.
So I ask you today, are you? Are you ready for that day of his return? Because it's coming. That's what the promise is. And we see pieces of that fulfilled throughout this passage, actually. Chapter 13. When's it going to happen? When he says it does. When he brings it to fulfillment. You can pick a day. But you're only being prideful at that moment. We need to come to this place humbly in a place of trusting what he wants us to do. And that is to make much of his, his name for his glory. I do not know what tomorrow will bring. But I know who holds it. And that is our Lord. Will you trust him today? Let's pray.